I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, here to continue our studies in the book of Proverbs. This is class content for July 5. This is the next to the last class in Proverbs. We will cover the rest of chapter 31 on July the 8th, and then we'll begin the study of Philippians, July the 12th. In this class, please open to Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to read and study from verses 1 through 9. Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. Now, this is very different from passages we've studied recently. Proverbs is known for brief statements containing wisdom, prohibitions, observations, warnings, and all this is good for us, provided we have that attitude described in chapter 1, the fear of the Lord. With that kind of respect or reverence for God, we are able to be equipped with wisdom in life as we read and study this good book. God's text messages. I borrowed that phrase from Mike Wilson's workbook on Proverbs. Perhaps others have used it. God's text messages. Now we come to chapter 31, verses 1 through 9, Proverbs 31, 1 through 9, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine are for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. I think I know your first question. It is mine too. Who is this man, King Lemuel? How I wish I could tell you exactly who he is and where he lived and all about his family and his full bio and a resume of his career. I don't know any of that. And if you pick up the scholarly reference books about Proverbs and Hebrew wisdom literature, you'll find statements like this. Identity remains uncertain. The name means belonging to God. Some believe this was Solomon. Other scholars and students offer this could have been Hezekiah. I'm going to have to lean toward those three words. Identity remains uncertain. However, we don't need to know all about the man or anything about the man to read the passage and get the point and then consider the applications. This is a report of a mother imparting instruction to her son and the king recorded these words, the words of King Lemuel, who passed on an oracle that his mother taught him. 
I'll stop here to make the point. What a good idea to write down and share with others the good instructions given by your parents. That's what this man did. And what he recorded was preserved for us in the book of Proverbs. Now, as we go through this, I will remind us two or three times, this is not direct instruction from God, though God wanted us to read this. This is Lemuel documenting or preserving what his mother told him. We must treat the passage with that in mind. Verse two really sounds like the voice of every mother. What are you doing? It really carries the tone of an admonition, doesn't it? Here is the woman who brought you into the world. She has this lifelong emotional investment in you, and you now have a position of authority, and she has something to say. And it may be implied here that you're making some mistakes already. You're moving towards some trouble. And here is that maternal voice. What are you doing, son? Son of my womb, and the marriage connection may be inferred. Son of my vows. Many of us can just hear our mothers asking us, what in the world are you doing? Now, to shed light on that, the next verse is a clear prohibition from the mother to the son who is now king. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Now, this gives some credence to the idea that Solomon is the king called a mule, but it doesn't settle it. The history of Solomon would seem to lead us in that direction, but perhaps other kings made the same mistakes. We know that Solomon's appetite for women was his downfall. So if this is Solomon, Bathsheba is saying, son, what are you doing? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to those who destroy kings. We can take this as a warning to all leaders, but behind that all men who nurture a lascivious appetite toward women right into their downfall. Mom says, son, what are you doing? Mothers appeal to their wayward sons to bring them back to what is good and right. Verses four and five, likewise, ring a familiar tone of mothers warning their sons about drinking. It is not for kings, Ola Mule. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Other people may drink, though Proverbs has already given strong words against that back in chapter 23, but there is an enhanced risk when leaders consume alcohol, in many cases, we hope, against the counsel of their parents, Please observe with me one phrase here that captures the danger, drink and forget. It is commonly understood that alcohol can have this effect, this impact on memory. You drink and then forget. This is what the king's mother wanted him to stop and think about. She is saying, son, what are you doing with all these women 
and all this drinking, it is not for kings. Uh, there is no argument here that non-kings are free to do all this. Other passages address that for all men. Sobriety is God's will, and it's God's will in this particular context applied to kings, but it's God's will for servants and all. Alcohol doesn't just have these bad effects for kings. Notice as well, the mother adds another part to the warning and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Drinking can cause kings a loss of memory. That isn't good. And it can cause kings to pervert the rights of the afflicted. So here is that maternal counsel to her son who is king <clears throat> about alcohol. It is not for kings, Olamule. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Now, this next part requires that we remember this was a mother's counsel to her son who is king and who is documenting what his mother said. I'm in verse 6 and 7. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Now, to read this, and then say that God is telling us to give strong drink to someone is not to handle this passage within its context. This is not a blanket statement direct from God. Sometimes, sometimes the Bible is not recommending, <clears throat> but reporting, and that's true here. This is a report of what a mother said to her son, who is now serving as king. It cannot be claimed as a command from God that we give alcohol to someone. That assertion goes against the contextual information and the other warnings we've talked about concerning the value of sobriety. Also keep in mind, what she said reflects what was typical in that age and culture. This was what people did with intoxicants. They were used to provide some relief for the dying and to dull pain. The analgesic use of intoxicants is common today. So the main idea here is not about God telling us to give people drinks. We can't generalize this and draw that unwarranted broad conclusion. It is what a mother said to her son in her effort to steer him away from lasciviousness and drunkenness. There's more in verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. My apologies that the video capture has blocked the last couple of words in that text. This states the ideal function of leaders. She wanted her son to speak for those who had no voice, 
to judge righteously and to defend the rights of the poor and needy. There are human leaders and rulers who speak out only for those in their social political class, their fans, their followers, and especially their contributors. The king's mother wanted him to speak out to be a just voice for those who had no voice, no vote, no power, judge righteously. So, what are we to do with Proverbs 31, 1 through 9? I have these observations as we begin to conclude the study. Number one, I want to talk about the value of maternal counsel. Maternal counsel is virtuous and worthy of parental imitation, so long as that counsel contains wisdom from God. During the time your children are living with you, give them wise counsel. They will remember it and pray that they will use it when they are older. While we no longer have parental authority over our children after they have grown and left the home, we can still have influence and we can still use our voice. We can't discipline them with punishment, send them to their room, or give them time out, but we can speak to them. We can still offer advice and even issue prohibitions that we hope they will follow. Those of us who have reached the age of maturity may often call to mind the good instruction we receive from our parents for our use today, our admonition, our edification, and that can become a legacy that we pass on to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We honor God when we remember and put to good use the godly instruction of good parents. Would you consider the part of this where the mother is saying, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves? This combines three things, responsibility, mercy, and justice. We ought to have, even if not a ruler, empathy for and duty toward those who cannot speak up, cannot plead their case, cannot ask for justice. The king had this obligation, and as citizens under the rule of Christ, we ought to be people who hold justice, not just as a virtue to signal, but as our attitude and our action toward oppressed people. And then three, let us be careful how we use Scripture. We cannot just decide that we want to justify some behavior, so we're going to open the Bible and we're going to find something that sounds like what we want, and we're going to quote it to justify what we want. That's misguided. It's ill-conceived. This happens with the alcohol issue all the time. Context isn't objectively considered. Conclusions are forced, and people are led to believe the Bible justifies what it doesn't. We need to be people who resist that temptation. You know, let me bring this up. The common practice or habit of pulling up some statement in the Bible and using it without respect to its context should trouble us. And this habit is to be avoided by Christians. A couple of examples of how valuable context is and how it must inform our use of particular verses. 
The Bible says there is no God. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 14. But the context is, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see how important context is in informing the use of a particular statement. God said to apostate women in Amos chapter 4, go to Bethel and sin. Is God telling these women to go to Bethel and sin? No, the context shows God is not telling them to sin. He's describing what they were doing and what they were saying to one another. Likewise, here in Proverbs 31, this is not God telling us to serve drinks to depressed or hurting or poor people. This is a report of what a mother said to her son, the king. Thank you for listening. We are back next time for one more class in Proverbs about the woman who is described in Proverbs chapter 31. Thank you for listening.